Brother David explains that when people from Tibet come to know Jesus Christ, they're almost always rejected by their families. That's why it's important for the body of Christ to become a new family for these believers. We handle them with the discipling them so that they can be a productive. They can bear the fruits. And then we, we teach them how to be a productive disciple of Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. The Dalai Lama is a revered religious leader across many parts of the world. Last week, we heard from a man who had an opportunity to study under the Dalai Lama, but he said, no thanks, I've found true answers in Jesus Christ. Brother David is back with us for a second week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. That's not his real name. We're protecting his identity as a believer in Jesus from Tibet, who is doing gospel work in dangerous places. If you missed last week's program, you can hear it at vomradio.net. When we left off the story last week, Brother David had left a training center run by the Dalai Lama, and he had told his parents about his decision to follow Christ. They said, let's go to sleep, and you better change your mind before morning. Let's pick David's amazing story back up. When I woke up next morning, and I, I slept with prayerfully, and, and I woke up, and I prayed, and I said, asked the Lord, Lord, you know, I want to be in my truth, so help me to stand in my truth in my heart. So they all gathered, and they said, what have you decided now? Well, I said, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with my, 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 my decision I have made in my heart. I'm, I, that gives me peace, so I will go with my decision that I have decided in my heart. They put me in certain conditions. So they said, well, are you sure that you are going to be Christian? I said, as of now, I, I, I'm very comfortable. I'm, yes. And then, then, then they said that, what will happen if we discard you from all the properties and all the inheritances that we have, businesses and everything, what you would say? Well, I said, I have, I have nothing to do. I have no worries. I'm fine, okay. Even if you don't give me a single penny from your this house, I'm all right. And they, they, they asked me, this is the condition from our side, what we have decided. If you go with your own will to be a Christian, you are cut off from our society. You are cut off from your all the portion, inheritance, in the family. But you're welcome back home anytime. But if you come back home, be a nice Buddhist son. You have everything in your portion you will receive. Wow. So you're disinherited. You're out of the will. You're out of the house. If you want to come home, that's great. Come home as a Buddhist. Yes, that was the final conditions. So I said, well, thank you for all these conditions, and but the time will tell what will happen. I don't know. 
and I cannot tell you about tomorrow or day after tomorrow. But as of now, I have peace. Even if you don't give me anything, I'm fine. Okay. So finally, they agreed. I said, "You are. You have become very violent. You were never disobedient like this to us as a family before." Well, I said, "I'm not disobeying anybody. I'm just following my heart, and I'm following just what." has come in my heart and I'm I'm listening that I, I never did before and now I'm I'm seriously thinking and I'm I have started thinking seriously now what is a life all those days I never never counted all those days I just misused now I want to use this this further life uh, for the giver of the life that who changed me who changed my heart who changed transform my thinking. I want to use it, this all this thing for his glory and his purpose. And I have a great desire to go to the Bible school and learn Bible school. So then they said that we consider you as a, like a broken egg. That was the last word that I heard. And broken egg cannot produce the chicks. It will not have a life. I said I will take my suitcase and my clothes and everything so then I will say goodbye to you. But they, uh, they decided not to give my suitcase back. They didn't give me anything. So they took my So clothes. not only do you not get an inheritance, you can't even take your suitcase with you when you and, leave. And I left home with, uh, with, uh, with uh, one trouser, one T-shirts, and uh, one Kung Fu shoes wearing in my feet. And in the form of cash, maybe I had a $10 worth Indian rupees in my pocket. I left home. And... I started praying to God, Lord Jesus, you know, help me to find this Bible school that I have heard. And I left for that Bible school to, uh, you know, request them to take me into their Bible school where I can learn the Word of God, where I can uh, understand His more desires in my life and His what He has planned for my life. And I started praying and started walking. I walked about a couple of hours because I had a very limited money. I took a bus and I traveled a four hours by bus and I reached to the northern India where I was able to find the Bible school which I have heard about earlier. So I went to the Bible school and in the Bible school I approached the principal's office and I just asked that, Sir, I am so-and-so. Oh, well, they, they greeted me and they said, yes, hi. And I shared about my little story in a very, very briefly. said that I am here to study the word of God. So if you please take me into your Bible school, I will be so thankful and I will be so grateful. The principal and there were a few other teachers, they talked to each other and I said, we have never seen this kind of person. So I said, they asked me first question, what church do you belong? Well, I said, I have no church and... They were amazed, and I, I, I was literally I did not have any church. I was just meeting with my few friends and fellowshipping with them, and trying to learn praying, and that was the my little growing areas of my fellowship. So well, I said I have no I have no idea about the, any church. I am not a member. I am not a part of any church. I don't know any church, but we meet this many ten or eight people together, and we just pray, and I have a great man, a desire to learn about God and his words. And that's only my dream is now in my heart. So if you give me a chance, I will prove it. 
So I, I was asked then, then there's the second question they asked that, who is your sponsor? I got still stuck. I said, I, what is this meaning of sponsor? I don't, I've never heard this word before. I don't know about the sponsor. They said that sponsor means that who is going to pay your cost for the three year here. Sir, I'm sorry, I have no sponsors. I have no church. So they were laughing and they were amazed by what kind of person we encounter today. This guy says he has a sponsor and he says that he does not have any church behind him. But I said, I, I, don't, I, I don't have both of them behind me, but I have the Lord is behind me and with me. And in his direction, I have come here. I have not, I have not come here with my own stand and will, but I have been directed by God himself to come and study his word. If you allow me, then I will prove myself worthy and honest. They said, Okay, wait a minute, few minutes. So I just, I was asked to sit down in the lounge for a while and, and they discuss a few things. And I, and after a few minutes, they called me back in and they said, we have some ways that you can be here. I was very happy and said, what what, what can I do, sir? So they said, if you, if you work in the kitchen for Saturday and Sunday and work for the garden, suddenly you can earn your scholarship. So that was the best offer for me. I agreed and I accepted that offer to be a dishwasher and to be a gardener. I was realizing that, Lord, you are preparing my ways. I was somewhere you know, in a nice place. Now I am here in somewhere so far below. Now I need to wash dishes. But I know that you have your own ways to take things forward. I agreed and... I spent six months with one trouser in my Bible college. And I used to wash my trouser every week with the dishwashing powder. I, I didn't even did not have the money to buy a soaps and all. I used to use the small, small pieces of soaps thrown by others. I consider those days were the best days and those experiences were the best experience today. I feel that I can say today that look at me and I don't say that look at him and look at that, look at this. But I, I give my life example and I, I give my stories to bless the people, to know the people that how God can use a small unworthy vessel when it is surrendered into the hands of God. I, I consider it's like a, that bread and fish. Until unless it was in the bag of the little boy, it was a little bit. But it went to the hands of the God and it, he fed thousands of thousands of people. Amen. So that was a kind of my experiences was uh, filled with my life. And I, I haven't been able to go back to home until now. Were you able ever to have a conversation with the Dalai Lama after you came to faith to explain to him why you were leaving? Yes. Or I why you left? And, and what was his response? Uh, yes. I met after my conversion. I, I met him in two occasions. And he praised and he showed me from the stage to the people once when we were working with the Tibetan refugee people's uh, house construction. We were look, working like laborers and helping the people and and taking care of all these suffering people and our uncle was there who passed away that I was talking who was a like a, he he built it around uh, 1500 houses small houses for the refugees 
And I, I was one of the manual labor, like I was working there. And when the day of inauguration took place, Dalai Lama was the chief guest to inaugurate and deliver the message to the rest of the Tibetan community. At that day, he, he, he acknowledged. He didn't say that you should become a Christian, but he said that this is the man that has uh, worked with me for eight years. Now he's working as a social worker, or what, he didn't say that he's a Christian uh, worker or something like that. Yeah, works like a social, and we need to learn from these guys. Wow, that was his uh, remark that I never forget. Uh-huh. So it wasn't a harsh remark; it was a actually a favorable remark. Very favorable remark. Very uh, favorable remark. And I, after that, also we we mailed, we shipped him a Bible. He received the Bible. Praise the Lord. Seeds seeds being planted. Let's talk a little bit about the nation of Tibet, because as you mentioned, Chinese invaded it. They consider it a, a province of China. The Tibetan people consider it their homeland. They want it to be free. But let's talk a little bit about the church there. I know the church is very small. There are very few Christians it seems like they face persecution from two directions, often uh, uh, yes. from the Chinese government as well uh, as from their families, from the Buddhists there. Right. Talk a little bit about the church in Tibet and what the people there are facing who are our brothers and sisters. And the church in Tibet, uh, they are not so open like like China. They hardly disclose to the people, to everybody there. Even though you are there as a Christian brother, and it takes them to mingle with the other Christian brothers and sisters. It takes a little while, you know. Yeah. And until, unless... Which is understandable, because their their security is at yeah, risk. Yeah, because they live under the Chinese government pressure, and there is a Tibetan autonomous government. So they live with the two governments pressures. And beside that, there is their own cultural barriers, religious barriers, which is very, very strong. And Tibet is the center of Tibetan Buddhism, where we see the lots of power of darkness has been covered that part. And and, 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 and there are Tibetan brothers and sisters in Tibet. They are meeting some of the, I, for instance, in the Lhasa, when I was there in Lhasa, menaced, uh, meeting a uh, little two, three groups. We met in the morning, 2.30. So morning, 2.30, is everybody goes sleep so so that a little Christian people group, they meet, they pray, they sing very quietly, not in a very big noise, so that Tibetan Christians are in a very, very challenging stage, and they cannot disclose themselves as openly as we are doing in, in India or Nepal or Bhutan or some other areas. But they, they certainly need a lot of prayer. A lot of prayer, yeah. And we certainly want to help people to pray for Christians in Tibet. Let's also talk about Buddhists, because our listeners are the kind of people who want to share their faith. They want to talk to people about Christ. How, how should I, as a Christian, approach the conversation with a Buddhist about Christ? What What advice can you give me? if I want to lead that conversation towards the things of Jesus? I experienced the testimony of my friend in my, my room. 
I could see, yes, this man, whatever he says that he is living, people, they really wants to see these kinds of, I would say, signs and wonders also. Many people are sick for years and years and years. They spend so much money in treatments and medications and all. They didn't get healing you know, or they don't cure from their sickness and diseases. But sometimes when the Christian people, they go and ask their permission, would you like me to pray for your healing? If you believe in Christ. And in, in that area also, that's a kind of personal evangelism. Building the relationship to one another, one-to-one, is the best evangelism methodology I consider. Well, and I, I go back to your roommate. As you mentioned, you saw yourself as darkness and him as light. Looking at his life, looking at the way he lived for Christ, you saw his life as light. And I think that's an important thing for us as well, to live that out. And as you say, our own personal testimony, this is what Jesus did for me. That's a good entry point to be able to say, hey, Jesus could help you as well. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother David. He is from the nation of Tibet, is now actively working in South Asia uh, with people from several different countries. David, talk about your work today and, and what you're doing in your ministry today to reach the people not only of Tibet, but also in India, in Nepal, in Bhutan. Talk a little bit about what your work is now. Concerning the ministry, my first goal is to develop the discipleship. Because until unless we disciple the people, I don't think that we will see the people becoming like uh, Paul made Timothy. Timothy made to the his disciple and disciple make other faithful men. This is a, this is a kind of fourth gen, third generation ministries. Uh, we have a small discipleship training institute where we bring from people from all sort of many times what happens in our places. We share the gospel. We preach the gospel. We witness people. And people they give their life to Christ. As as my story, I gave my life to Christ but I was not welcomed. I was kicked out. I was discarded from the family, relationship, and from everything. Until now, I have never been able to see them back again. So same issues that we have in our mission field, we witness several people, we reach many people, and people, they give their life. But most of the story are that they are kicked out from their homes in a young age. But we handle them with the discipling them so that they can be a productive they can bear the fruits. And then we, we teach them how to be a productive disciple of Christ. We have a small institute where we give them only 60 days intensive training. And this training started in 2010, way back. And until now, we train more than 800 young disciples has been trained and sent out. And they have... 80% of them are very, very effectively being used in their mission fields. In Bhutan, is it one of the most difficult areas? In Nepal, we have now sub, uh, all the persecutions. India, 2014 onwards, has become more worse. Everywhere, we have persecution. But if we make them a Christian, and sometimes, unless they become disciple, 
they know the how much price they have paid to follow Christ. And we know how much price we have paid to follow the Christ that remind us to remain faithful, walk into the path of righteousness and truth, and also same truth has to be transferred to the other disciple that we disciple. As a part of that discipleship process, you mentioned the fact that most of these believers are going to face persecution, yes. whether it's their family members or the government or whoever, they are going to face persecution. Definitely. How do you get them ready for that? How do you prepare them to face persecution and not be turned away from the gospel? Because Bible tells us that we are here just passing through in this world. And we, we reveal the word of God, what it says, that what we lose here in this earth and what we have in eternity. So that always challenges them to move further and fight against all the power of darkness and all the temptations and trials and hardships and persecutions. Only one thing can make you, them strong that, yes, I am passing through on this earth and I have a greater place to remain where I will remain for eternity. So that is the portion that we remind them very often. That is the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. So that keeps them very strong, that keeps them committed, that keeps them moving. That eternal perspective is something that, like you say, we, we're we just here for a little while. It seems like a long time sometimes, but Compared to eternity, it is nothing. I love that. As a part of that 60-day discipleship training, what does that look like? Is that like from early in the morning until late at night for 60 yeah. days? Uh, 60 days is 7 to 5. And then in between, we do have a practical work to take them to the mission fields, how to witness, how to, how to share, and how to follow them up, that we have established contact how to remain faithful with them, and how to feed them also spiritually. So also we, we just don't say that we are just Christian, but we have to disciple them, we have to mentor them, we have to help them accountable for time and talents and gifts and finances, whatever. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother David. He is from Tibet. Uh, but he is active in ministry in Bhutan and Nepal and northern India. Brother David, as we pray for your work, how can we pray? How would you advise us to pray for you and, and for the workers under you, your disciples that are now going out? Yeah. We teach our people to be a tent makers, how to be a self-supportive and self-sustainable church. But since the last couple of months and years that I've been developed, that we really need our people and friends, those who can really support our people for the one-time gift project. It's not a big business, but small business. I was talking about like uh, buying five or four good, two male and two female, or one male or three female, or piglets or few chickens and milking cows. And even though there will be a time in, in our places that there will be no access to receive a single money from West or America or anywhere else on this earth. But what will happen in the time? They will never get weird in their faith. They will be always uh, uh, you know, fresh and committed in their 
faith and businesses, whatever God has given to them. Amen. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother David. He is from the nation of Tibet. Uh, amazing testimony, amazing story of God's faithfulness and ability to reach anyone, anywhere. And uh, that's an exciting thing. Brother David, thank you for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for giving me this opportunity, and uh, God bless you all. Thank you so much. As always, you can hear this interview again at vomradio.net, as well as hearing all the other episodes of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. While you're there, you can subscribe to our podcast and send me a note. Let me know what you thought of this week's conversation with Brother David. Again, that website, vomradio.net. Next week, we're going to focus on India. Find out how God is at work in that nation and how you can pray for your brothers and sisters there. I hope you'll be back with us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.